Well, good morning. Um, I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, my name is Stephanie. Uh, pastor Taylor, who is the lead pastor here, is gone this morning, so I get the pleasure of filling in. And really, really excited about um, this series. But before I jump in um, on this series, I wanted to tell you a little bit about our life, and that is because uh, we are um, the subject of all of Pastor Taylor's, well, I should preface. I guess I'm married to Pastor Taylor as well. So we, meaning myself and my three children, are all the subject of all of his stories. So everything uh, that we do in our lives, we have to be very careful about what we say or do around the house because we know that it could be sermon content at any point at time. So uh, we're always um, watching our P's and Q's very closely. Um, and I'm really convinced that a part of this series as well, uh, Pastor Taylor um, also likes to run experience, uh, experiments on his own family and test these theories of um, his sermon ideas and the psychological impacts or biblical principles on us. And with this series of what makes you happy and how to be happy, I think um, he's running a test. And the test is that he came to me a couple weeks ago and he said, I'm going to be gone for seven days. I said, you're what? I'm going to be gone for seven days. I'm going to be gone for a whole week, and um, it's going to be you and the kids. And oh, can you fill in for me on Sunday as well? And so I'm convinced this whole week, which started yesterday, is a test on when my happiness will escape me. Um, and I think that it escaped about 8.30 this morning when I was trying to get three kids ready uh, to come to church all by myself, trying to get them dressed, and they were trying to undress themselves and trying to get them breakfast. So I'm trying to decide if I'm going to call in this afternoon and say, okay, the joke's over. You broke my happiness. I'm not happy anymore. You can come home. Or if I should switch it and test um, my own happiness while he's gone and see how many Amazon boxes it takes before I really feel happy. <laughs> so uh, I'll report back to you next week. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be about like 15, 20 Amazon boxes maybe. Well, that'll be my threshold of happiness. Um, but no, in all seriousness, this is a really uh, fun topic because it's a question we are always asking ourselves is what makes us happy? And maybe you've spent time contemplating this idea of what makes you happy and trying to figure that out for you in your own life or your marriage or your relationship with others or within your job. And you're trying to navigate what that is. Well, I'm going to tell you something that may come as a surprise for some of you. Um, others, maybe you're in a place or a stage of life and that you've already figured this out. But when you ask yourself the question, what makes me happy, the answer is going to be nothing. No thing can make you happy. So when you ask yourself, what makes you happy, the answer is nothing. There is no thing that can fulfill your happiness. For some of us, you have been on this chase of trying to fulfill happiness, and it's been an exhausting chase of trying to get to the next level in your career, trying to obtain the next thing, and it's always been this chase of the what. What is going to make me happy? 
for some of us, we've really just um, been navigating what makes us happy, and we really just don't know. We haven't figured it out yet, and that's okay. I mean, it's it's something that it's we we wrestle with, and we're trying to fight what the culture and what norms and what society tells us will make us happy, and so we're trying personally to be on our own journey of what makes us happy. Maybe for a group of us, we've forgotten what makes us happy. Sometimes it's really difficult to mark happiness. Um, I think a lot of us think sometimes that it's, um, we, we have to complete a transaction and that will be the mark of happiness. But see, the odd thing about that is when we complete that transaction, whether it's the next promotion in our job, whether it's the next Amazon box, whether it's the new car, whether it's the new house, um, whatever that what is, it fades. And then it's like this caffeine happiness of, well, now we've obtained this, but now it's, it's deflated. That happiness went away, and now I'm chasing the next thing. Um, and so it's really hard to secure that when that happiness is tied to a what. And so that's why I really think that when you ask yourself what makes you happy, it comes down to no thing. No thing will make you happy. Because happiness is not about the what, it's about the who. And you may recall moments in your life, now as you're thinking about this, who made you happy in these different moments of your life? You think back to um, your young childhood or your early elementary days. It wasn't about the what you were doing in the backyard, it was the who's that you were around. If you think back to middle school or high school, you wanted to be in the right group of who's. You wanted to be in the group where you had friends and you felt included and you felt known. It wasn't always about the what, it was about the who. And happiness is truly about that who and not the what. Not too many of us are gonna get to the end of our lives and have possessional regrets we're gonna have the relational regrets because happiness is relational. We're not going to be sitting on our deathbed saying, oh, please, can you just bring me my 30 favorite pair of shoes? I worked so hard to get those. They probably don't even fit at that point, but I wanna have them by my bedside. That's the last thing I wanna say goodbye to. Or for you guys, it's not going to be, hey, can you please bring me my Mustang? Can you park it outside so I can go out and have alone time five more minutes with my Mustang or my Harley? No, we're not gonna have those possessional regrets. We're not gonna be sitting there thinking, man, I wish I would have just purchased that. I wish I would have just got that next house. I wish I would have just been able to obtain this, whatever that what was for you. No, it's going to be those relational regrets. I wish I would have had more time with so-and-so. I wish I would have been able to reconcile with so-and-so because the happiness was tied to the who. And I'm really, really grateful that happiness is not a what and it is a who. Because how devastating would that be and how difficult would that be in life if we were always ch chasing that next transaction of the what? When would it ever be enough? What would be that what? What would be the cost? What would be the willingness that we would be willing to sacrifice in our relationships because of that what? But no, who gets to be the center of our happiness?
Because what happens with the happiness that is a what is happy what always leads to happy what else. Happy what's next. I need that what else because it was a caffeine happiness. It's like your phone. When you got your new phone, you were really excited about your new phone. It was a new phone. It was really cool. But at one point, that phone became an old phone. That old phone didn't bring you any more happiness. There was problems. Maybe you had a cracked screen. Maybe you dropped it in water. It became an old phone, and no longer was it bringing you happiness. So then you got excited for the new phone, and then that new phone became eventually your old phone. And then that happiness escaped again. And this can be applied to any type of what, whatever that uh, thing is for you. Because if age deflates whatever that what is, then were you really happy to begin with? If age deflates that what, were you really happy with it at the beginning? Or was that a temporary fix or a temporary joy that didn't last. For many of you that um, are parents, you might relate to this. Um, When you have a child or you have children that are unhappy, or maybe you're in a marriage and your spouse is unhappy, you've heard unhappy wife, unhappy life. Um, When you're in those relationships, it's hard to be happier than the unhappiest person that you're close with. So if one of your children is unhappy, it's hard to be happier than that unhappiest child. If your spouse is unhappy, it's hard to be happier than your unhappy spouse. Because something about them being unhappy, because they're the who, affects your happiness. Because happiness is relational. We also think about uh, this, and sometimes some of us wrestle with this, because the who is a little bit trickier. It's grayer. It's not something we can just purchase, and then we've achieved happiness. For, for some of us, when we think about um, who's being the one that provide us happiness, we think about the thoughts of, well, I don't need other people to make me happy. I can be happy by myself. And some of us have never experienced isolation. So we've grown up with so many rich relationships where we've never had those relationships and we've never been completely isolated. It's kind of like a a person who's always had food saying, well, I don't need food because they've always had food. So some of us try to say and combat this truth with happiness of, I don't need someone to make me happy. And we're going to talk a little bit about that specifically in the next couple weeks about that balance of making other people happy and them making you happy. But the truth is, we are meant to be in relationship. You are missing opportunities when you are not in relationship with other people and in community with other people. You're robbing people of the opportunity of your friendship. You're robbing people the opportunity of your support. You're robbing people the opportunity to be able to richly bless them with all of the unique talents and gifts that you have. We're meant to do life together relationally. 
Maybe you're on the flip side of this and you're saying, well, I, I am in complete isolation or I've been in isolation. I've, I've gone through grief and I've, I've been alone. But God wants you to do life together. God designed us to do life together. And again, I'm gonna go back to think about the people that you're robbing because you're not able to be in relationship with them or the people that you've cut off, that you could mutually both build each other up, encourage each other, support each other, and ultimately be happy in community and not be in isolation. For some of us, we combat this feeling too of saying, well, when we can't get what we want, we lie to ourselves and we tell ourselves, well, we didn't really want it anyway. How many of you have done that? I know personally when I haven't got something or there was a time where I thought that I deserved something, where there was an opportunity, a promotion, there was an opportunity to obtain um, kind of the next level up, and we didn't get that opportunity. And I felt like I started to tell myself this web of lies. This lie of, well, I probably didn't really want it anyways, because I didn't want it to affect my happiness. So if I couldn't get what I want, I'd try to tell myself that, eh, I didn't really want it anyways. I think sometimes we do that, especially with um, social media and all the different ways that we're able to scroll through and see the lives and the what's that everyone else has. And the grass is always greener, right? Well, did you see our neighbors got that so-and-so? Oh, yep, now they now got a boat, or oh, they're moving, they're building a new house, or oh, it looks like um, Susie was able to get that new car. It's too easy to scroll through and see all of the what's that are being filled. And then we lie and tell ourselves, like if we can't have that, well, I don't really want it anyways, or they had to compromise this to get it. And we tell ourselves all of these lies to really avoid the root of this unsettling peace inside of us that is not content and happy with who we are. See, the one thing I think that happy people have is peace. I don't know if any of you have met someone like this. I hope you truly have, or maybe this is you. You have a peace that gives you and allows you to exude happiness. They're okay with the surroundings around them. They're okay with themselves. They have this peace about their outlook and their future and their life that's different than anyone else that's chasing happiness through a what. See, I think happy people have peace with three things. The first is they have peace with themselves. They look at other people and they don't see rich or poor and they don't look at themselves and say, yep, I'm gonna compare myself to that person. They don't look and compare themselves in other ways. They allow themselves to be who they are, whether they're an introvert or an extrovert, whether they're single, whether they're married, whether they're divorced, they're comfortable in their own skin. And I think we all kind of know someone who has that confidence and you can see it. They just, they carry themselves differently. 
They're not at war with themselves inside. They're not trying to battle something or try to be someone they're not. They're themselves. And they're at peace with themselves and they're just comfortable in their own skin. The second thing I think that people have with um, peace is peace with others. They're not angry. They're not resentful. They're not bitter. If you really get to know them and you get to sit down with them and hear their story, you get to hear a story of this beautiful art piece of forgiveness. They don't have this sense of er, uh, um, anger and revenge and this urge to fight back. They're not trying to seek out or reclaim what was theirs or what they think they lost. They're also not on the flip side on this chase of trying to make everyone else happy at the expense of losing themselves. They're at peace with others. And they seek out to make peace with others. The last thing I think um, happy people have, and you could argue with me, um, maybe not every happy person has this, but I think this is foundational to peace and happiness, is they have peace with God. They realize that there's more to this life, that they have a divine sense of purpose, calling, They understand that God has uniquely made them to be who they are. They walk with confidence with God and they know that no matter the mountains, the valleys that they might go through, that God is with them every step of the way. They don't let anything or anyone else steal their joy, peace, or happiness because their peace And their happiness is rooted in their relationship with him. See, anything that undermines your peace, anything that undermines your peace, undermines your happiness. Maybe you've never thought about this in this way before, but if you think about any type of situation or a a specific decision point in your life, where you are at maybe a a T intersection and you're trying to figure out which way do I go. I can take this job, I can do this, I can be in this relationship, I can make this decision. And maybe you had that moment inside of you and you were thinking about which decision that you were going to make. And you made a decision. And that decision maybe undermined your peace. You weren't at peace with your, yourself in that moment. You were wrestling with something greater. Maybe you even undermined that in your own decision with yourself and said, ah, that's just, that's just a weird feeling. I, I, I think I'm just gonna make this decision anyways. And you went forward with that decision. And maybe now that decision is one of your biggest regrets with life, and you wish you could go back and relive that moment, go back and redo that season of your life. And it was ultimately because you undermined your peace with inside yourself, your peace with others, or your peace with God within that decision. 
which then ultimately undermines your happiness. And that's why today that decision might be your biggest regret because you undermined your own peace and your own happiness. See, what I think so awesome about this third one, peace with God, is if you have peace with God, it paves a way to have peace with yourself, and then it equips you to have peace with others. I don't know about you, but it's really hard sometimes to have peace with myself, and it's really, really, really hard to have peace with others. There's a lot of times where I'm upset with how someone was treating me. Someone did something that really deeply hurt me, and it's really hard to reconcile that relationship. But I'm able and equipped to reconcile that relationship because I start with having a relationship with my Heavenly Father. And it also then allows me that opportunity to have peace with myself, be comfortable in my own skin and not wanting and wishing to be different, look different, have a different skill set. It allows me to love myself in a new way and have peace with myself. It's really beautiful because in the New Testament, um, all of Jesus' life and his ministry on earth, he talks about this peace. And many of his stories and his teachings and his parables all are getting at the root of peace with ourselves, peace with others, and peace with our Heavenly Father. And there's one story particularly I want to talk about. And this specific story, um, there's a lawyer questioning. He's an expert in the law. He knows all of the laws written. And he's questioning Jesus. He wants to get Jesus in a corner and have that gotcha moment. He's trying to trick him. And he may even actually already have the answer to the question or what he thinks is the answer to the question. And he wants to confront Jesus. And so he asks Jesus this question. He says, teacher... Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And I think he's sitting there, and everyone that's in the audience at the time is probably sitting there at the edge of their seats trying to figure out, okay, which is going to be the greatest law? I need to write this down. I need to know so I can make it into heaven, so I can do the best that I can, and I can be the best person. And they're all sitting there waiting to see what Jesus is going to respond. I think they're all expecting something like uh, don't you ever, you should never, don't start ever doing this, or my personal favorites, thou shouts. Thou shalt not, thou shalt. They are waiting for a command. They want to know what that law is. They want to know something like, you know, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. And they're asking Jesus, which of these is the greatest commandments? Some of you know this verse already, but the teacher, Jesus, in his perfect way, he responds this way. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And they're like, wait a minute, Jesus, can you say that again? Wait a minute. So you're telling me it's not a do not, it's not a don't you ever, it's not a 
thou shalt never. It's not, uh, hey, never go do this for the rest of your life. And they're like, this is not a rule. This is not a commandment. No, Jesus says, love. No, no, Jesus, what did you say? Jesus says, love is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then the second is like it. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. And what this verse tells me is it says, love God. Make peace with God. Love your neighbor. What does love require? Making peace with your neighbor. Having peace with your neighbor. And then loving yourself. Make peace with yourself. It's kind of weird. It's almost like Jesus is saying that he wants us to be happy. Isn't that weird? I don't know about you, but for me, growing up in church, this is never what I thought. Or maybe you're trying to navigate what faith is for you, and this is not what you perceive this relationship with God. For me, I always thought God was in the way of my happiness. And it's probably one of my biggest regrets because I lived very differently because I thought God was in the way of my happiness versus God being the biggest champion for my happiness and my peace. God doesn't want to be in the way of your happiness. He doesn't want you to stay in, uncircum or in circumstances where you're not happy. God wants you to have peace. He wants you to live a fulfilled life walking with him, knowing that your happiness and your peace is rooted in his relationship with you. This is what's most important to him. He wants to be in that relationship with you to provide that opportunity to have peace with yourself and to have peace with others that you're in relationship with. If you think about the times that you thought about that, where you said, God, I really think you're in the way of my happiness. Those decisions were probably those decisions in which you have biggest regret. Because you abandon the happiness that God wanted to provide, and you sought after your own happiness. A word that we're sometimes familiar with in this context is the word sin. For some of us, it makes us a little bit uncomfortable. We don't like this word, or we, we struggle to define this word, or again, if we're trying to navigate our faith journey or we're not sure about this whole God thing, we don't like this word even more because it's like, okay, what does this mean? Do I follow the Old Testament laws, the New Testament laws? What are my, the laws that I need to follow? And how is that defined by what's considered sin? So just take whatever definition you think of as sin. What is your threshold of your moral values? Your threshold in which you say, yep, this is right, this is wrong. And whatever that definition is, whether that's missing the mark with God, if it's taking, you know, the New Testament laws, 
Whatever that is for you, the common denominator with sin is that it separates. And sin separates in so many ways. When, it's, when it sinks into your relationships and your life, it erodes the peace that you have in those relationships. It separates you from others. If you think about the last conflict you had with someone, it separated you and it tore apart that relationship. Maybe a part of that relationship died because sin came into that relationship. Whether it was both of your fault or their fault or whoever's fault, sin crept into that relationship. Sin separates you from God. I think sometimes this one is misunderstood, but we have to remember that each one of us is a child of God. We are created by God. So when we sin against others and we're separated from others, we are ultimately separated from God. Because you can't come to God and treat him differently than what you would treat one of his child and whom he loves. How would you like that if someone treated your child poorly and then they tried to come to you and say, oh, yep, the relationship's fine. No, if you can't treat my child with love, whom he, he created and he cared for, which is each one of us, so any one person, then you can't be okay with your heavenly father. That sin separates us, and we have to come to a point of reconciliation. Sin also separates you from yourself. This one's the biggest of them all. Because you say things like, well, if I ever did blank, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Or because I did that, I can't live with myself. Or some of you may say, you know, I just can't face myself in the mirror. Sin separates you from that peace and that love that you have from yourself. And those regrets separate you from that relationship. See, sin compromises that peace. It undermines that peace that you have. It does that by separating and substituting. See, sin makes a promise that it can't keep. It makes a happy promise to you that it can't keep. It tells you, yep, if you just do that, you're gonna be happy. But sin can't ever come through with that happy promise. It separates and substitute by fulfilling pleasure for fulfillment. It replaces things for people. Images for intimacy, the immediate for the ultimate. It makes a happy promise that it will never be able to keep, no matter what type of sin it is. James, the brother of Jesus, has a really powerful verse in the book of James. And it says this, we're gonna pick it up mid-conversation, but it's this really beautiful, powerful verse about the imagery of sin and the power that it has. It says, then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. You may have heard Pastor Taylor talk about this. Sin ultimately leads to death, a death in the relationship, a death in a part of the area of our lives 
It's something that cannot be rebirthed. When we lie, we cheat, we steal, we lose a part of that in that relationship. See, all of us see this cute little baby sin. We're chased in life with these opportunities and we're chasing after these cute little baby sins. Oh, if I, I just do this, I just take one little step here. Oh, I can just make this one decision and I can run back and ask for forgiveness. But that sin always has a gotcha. It leads to full grown sin and gives birth to death. See, I don't know about you, but I want to have peace. I want to be happy. I don't want to always be chasing the next thing. I want to have peace with myself. I want to have peace with others. And ultimately, I want to have peace with God. You may have seen this analogy before. Um, I know some of you thought this was my sermon notes and were a little scared at the beginning, but this is not my sermon notes. This is an analogy of our life. We're given one life, and each of these pages is a day in our lives. It goes by way, way too quick. And each day we have an opportunity to take the page of our life and we can choose peace, or we can choose sin, which ultimately leads to separation not just from God, but from ourselves and from others. It really breaks my heart because I know too often I've seen or even experienced where people were chasing the wrong types of happiness. They thought, oh, if I just do this, I can, I can be happy. And that day was gone. They said, oh, if I could just be in this relationship with this person, it'll be so perfect, it'll be so awesome. Then they were hurt. And that didn't bring them happiness, and then that day was gone. They were scrolling through social media, and they were seeing someone else being happy with something they recently acquired. A what? And not a who. And they spent a part of their life wishing they were someone else, living someone else's life. And that day was gone. Maybe this day was the day that they got to make that decision of the biggest regret now that they, they wrestle with. And they made a decision that undermined their peace and happiness. And that day was gone. And then maybe they spent a season of their life, multiple days, running after and trying to reconcile, trying to figure out who they were, where their foundation was because of that biggest regret. And another whole season of their life was gone because they were trying to relive, trying to live in the past, that regret of chasing or saying yes when they knew it undermined their own peace inside of them. Today's a new day. These are the pages. And that's the beautiful thing about our Heavenly Father is every day is a new day. We get a clean slate. We get the opportunity to rewrite the story. We get the opportunity to wake up and say, today 
I'm gonna choose peace. And I want that peace to be rooted in a relationship, a relationship with a father who loves me more than I can even understand. And I wanna get to know that father. I wanna spend today in prayer. I wanna spend today getting into the word and I'm gonna choose peace with him because the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God. So I'm gonna choose that. And through choosing that, I get to pave a way for peace with myself, being okay with the skin that I'm in and who I am and who God created me to be. And I get to have that peace with the purpose and the vision that God has for my life. And then because I have that, it equips me to start a new day with peace in my relationships with others. I get a call that sibling, I get a call that parent, I get a call that spouse, I get a call that child who I've had a difficult relationship with. And today's a new day, I get to reconcile. I get to ask for forgiveness. I get to run after loving my neighbor, loving every single person around me in a new way and having peace with those that God has put next to me in all relationships of my life. And I get to live my life with not possessional regrets and not relational regrets because I get to live my life every day waking up knowing that I'm loved by a father who allows me to have peace and allows me to live a life in which I get to be happy. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for wanting us to be happy, for being our biggest happy champions that we could ever have. For wanting us to experience a life greater than anything that we can experience on our own. Greater than any what could provide. Any possessional item could fulfill. Thank you for being a relational God that allows us to enter into a relationship with you that we just even get the opportunity to come to you with anything. Thank you for allowing us to find our peace in you and helping us journey navigating through finding peace with ourselves and peace with others. I specifically pray for people here today that are maybe on this journey of, of figuring out what does faith mean? What does happiness mean? I'm just stuck in this rat race of life trying to, trying to figure out what it is that will make me happier or, or what, what's next that I need to get to be happy. 
I pray that you meet them in those, those dark moments, those moments of questioning, and you reveal yourself to them that you want to be that rock, that you want to be that foundation to them in a way that they could never imagine, that you want to be that source of peace in their life, that you are there with open arms, ready to forgive their biggest regret, to help them walk through the doors of reconciliation, to help them get to a point of loving themselves and living with themselves and loving others in a new way. May you be with each of us this week as we are given the opportunity each morning to wake up and choose happiness, choose peace. I pray that you are with us in each of those challenging moments where it's gonna be too easy to see that little baby sin dangling there and be like, ah, that's the quick fix. It's an easy fix. I pray that you're with us in those moments to give us the wisdom, the strength to overcome those situations and to lean on the strength of you. Thank you for giving us the greatest command not a command that puts restrictions of what we can or cannot do, but a command that just simply says love. A command that says love you, love others and ourselves. Pray that we can live out that command in the best way possible this week and embrace this amazing, amazing peace that you want in each of our lives. In your name we pray, amen.